We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is, is it Wednesday? No. No, it's Thursday. It's thir- oh, oh, no. no. I'm sorry, Vince. What day is it? Friday. <laughs> okay. We have had people request for firings <laughs> if you sing again. Uh, but we have also somebody else request that you be. would do like a new intro song with you singing, <laughs> which um, I'm going to go out and say is not going to happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. You but have a it lot is of power Friday. Here, so it is Friday, and that means it's time to bring up the Friday mailbag. You got to come on, man. Where are you at, buddy? Get the, oh, get the thing down there. Where are you at, okay. man? I'm, I'm on it. It's right here. Boom. Okay, got the Friday free-for-all mailbag. That means today we're going to talk about whatever you want to talk about. But before we begin, we have two bits of business we want, or two thank yous that we want to do. Number one, uh, Ben Elijah, before the chat even started with the $20 super chat, Ben, thank you Sweet. so very much. He says, thanks, Brian and Vince, for the awesome job you guys do. I watch your podcast daily. Thank awesome. you. That's uh, awesome. Most of the time it is replays because of my work schedule. Question, which 2023 recruits wow. do you think will end up Irish at running back, quarterback, and receiver? Ben, that's going to be the first question that we answer. But yes. before we get to the questions, we have some uh, something else that I wanted to say thanks. I I have not been given permission to give this person's name out yet. I'm, I'm hoping to hear back and that they'll allow me to give them the public credit that they deserve. But we have a new Super Chat record. And uh, it was not through YouTube because, as you all know, there's other ways to, to support Irish Breakdown. But we had someone join the Gold Club, which is a $200 donation to the Irish Breakdown uh, message board. But then also re-upped with an extra $300. So they ended up giving a $500 donation to, uh, which is huge because now I have the money to go hire a photographer for the Florida State game, which again, that's how that stuff helps, right? So when when you guys help us out, it doesn't like, hey, Brian and Angela going on a date tonight. (laughs) We reinvest it back into Irish Breakdown to make sure that our product is better for you. And it is incredibly humbling incredibly thankful and that person also then went and bought some built bars so i was it was a, it was a good it was a good night good night That's so good stuff. thank you for that and, and look any donation that you give five dollars five hundred dollars it's appreciated up, and it man. all makes it, it all makes this a fun place to be at and for people who can't give super chats you're loved and appreciated too because that's what this thing is all about. You know, people give out of their means and some people have more, right. some people have less, but being a part of the community is the big part of it. And that's where it comes from. And so we just wanted to kind of kick the show off. Vince and I just say thank you all so much. That's awesome. Uh, for where we're at. I mean, Vince and I, you know, we've talked recently again about how what our goals were, where we thought we'd be by the time football season started, and then where we actually are is just um it's night and day. I mean, we're not even yeah. close to where we thought we were. Meaning, we we said bye bye to what our goals were like months ago. Yeah, where exactly. we thought we'd be. Yes. So, and that's because of you all, no doubt. So, thank you, no thank doubt. you so much for that. And so, Ben, uh, uh, Ben Elijah, Vince, let's go ahead and yes. get this thing kicked off. Yeah, let's do this. So, I, as a re a re ask of the question, he says, which top twenty twenty three recruits do you think will end up Irish? Uh, 
the skill positions, basically, offensively, running back, quarterback, and wide receiver. I know who I want at quarterback, Brian. Mm -hmm. That's Dante Moore. And I think I think Notre Dame is in a great position with him uh, from everything that I've heard and everything that I've read and everything that you've told me. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, I hesitate to say the name of, of that other quarterback in the 23 class that everybody keeps bringing up. Um, but I, I, I want, I want Dante Moore. Like mm -hmm. I don't, you know, if it's just quarterback A and quarterback B, right. And there's no name attached to it. If we're just looking at production and physical talent and all of that. I want Dante Moore. Like that's who I want. And I think Notre Dame is in a great position for him. Yeah, I think they're in a good, really good spot. I wouldn't say great. I'd say okay. really good. I, I, you know, I think they're right in there with a couple other schools like Ohio State and Michigan. I, I think that I would have given them the advantage over Ohio State just right now, simply because of what Ohio State has added to their roster in the 2021 and 2022 classes. So, uh, but I like where Notre Dame is at. The key for Dante Moore is going to have to be they're going to have to go out this year and put the kind of product on the field that makes him want to come. And sure. that's what it's going to boil down to. And that's one of the things I'm most excited about when I think about this offense is, you know, yeah, maybe it could have an impact on, you know, maybe some of the 2022 guys that are left on the board. I, I don't really know if it will, because I think pretty much with the exception of offensive line, I, I, I think that they've already they've already got the guys that they need to convince. Now it's about them deciding, do we want Savion Bradshaw? Do we want uh, Major Everhart? Right. You know, and, and those are guys that I think Notre Dame might have a great shot with if – if they put the press on. So the guys that they really wanted, they have now, could it help with keeping guys? Sure. Uh, you know, if you go out there and you don't throw the ball very well, is it going to make it a little easier for some schools like Oklahoma, which was, which for example, is Tobias Merriweather's dream school. And they have now lost like three of their 2022 or three receiver recruits because Luther burden, which is a, a five-star kid just recently decommitted. Wow. You know, so you got to put a good product on the field, but I think where it's really going to help Notre Dame is 2023. And I think with Dante Moore, but there's other quarterbacks on the board. And this is what I like about what Tommy Reese is doing with this class is he's not all the chips in the Dante Moore basket. And if you strike out, you're going to be left with some three-star kid that you hope is going to be a good player. Right. They're already recruiting other quarterbacks. They're recruiting Avery Johnson, who's a top 150 caliber guy to me. They're recruiting Jackson Arnold, who's a, who had a, a great first game of the season last night for uh, Denton Geyer down in Texas. Uh, he was not a starter in the past because the starter at that high school is now at Texas A&M. Right. Uh, so, you know, he's one of, and that's going to happen when you're talking about sophomores, <laughs> yeah. right? The, the rich get richer, man. That's right. And, and cool. so, you know, Jackson Arnold's a guy that's on the Notre Dame's radar. So there's other guys on the radar, but Dante Moore ha ha knows full well that he is QB one for Notre Dame. And I think the staff is doing a great job of making sure they communicate that to him. So I'm going to be curious to see if he gets back on campus. As far as a, a court, a running back, honestly, right now, Ben, I don't have a name that that I could look at and say, "Yep, that's the guy they're going to get." Uh, I think the I think right now the running back that I think they have the best chance on is the guy that I don't actually think is going to stay at running back. Uh, and, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember that kid's name, Ben. So I'm going to pull up the that big, that big kid, kid from Illinois. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I th I'm trying. I can't remember his name either. I, yeah. I just remember he was over. What you're saying is he's going to be oversaw, almost too big to be a running back when it's all said and done. Potentially. Yeah, I think that's a le legitimate concern. You know, I think that's a legitimate concern at this point in time. He's a he's a really long, athletic kid, really talented kid. Uh, but I think a kid that you know eventually is going to outgrow the running back position. So. Um, I think Fagan is his name. I think it, it, I can't believe I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, but he was a kid that impressed Notre Dame this summer. And then, of course, at receiver, it's going to be about you're looking for elite players only at this point in time, right. and, and you know, or top players only. The two guys that are at the very top of my board that I think Notre Dame has a legitimate shot at are Cardinal Tate, obviously, who's from Chicago, but he's now at IMG Academy, but originally from Chicago. It's Ohio State, Notre Dame. Most analysts are predicting Ohio State. Myself, I, I believe Tom Loy still has his crystal ball on Notre Dame and has updated that recently. Tom and I haven't haven't talked about that in a while, but I believe he still has his crystal ball on on Notre Dame. I still think it's going to be Notre Dame. We'll have to we'll have to see how it plays out, but that's where I'm at right now. So uh, they're going to have to close. It's a big one for Coach Alexander, right? You've got some momentum going. You know, you got Dante, you got Tobias Merriweather, you got C.J. Williams. You got to keep it rolling. You can't miss out on a on a top 50 local kid you just can't chicago right. is notre dame that's local that's, that's notre, notre dame local. territory yes right 
So they used to be undefeated in in Chicago yeah. back in the day, man. They could just Especially walk in and just Catholic just, school, exactly. Right. Just like I right. want you, 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 you. Let's right. go. Like that's how right. it used to be in Chicago. And, and, and they got to yeah. get back to that. And Cardinal yes. takes a big part of that. So I think right. Cardinal's the must get there. He is. He's WR one, right? People like to do these, you know, things now. He's top wide receiver on the board for me. Another guy that I love that Notre Dame has a shot with. Now again, it's going to be a tougher shot. They're a, a longer shot, but they're in it with is Jalen Brown, a kid from Miami. Now he goes to Gulliver Prep, and he doesn't go to Gulliver Prep to play football. Okay, you don't go to <laughs> Gulliver Prep to play football. You go to Gulliver Prep because you have a family that says, "No, you're going to get an education that's top notch as well as playing football." And there's a lot of interest in Notre Dame. Now, will he go all the way from Miami up north to Notre Dame? It's a good question. But there's a shot. He Look, when you're a kid from Miami and you come to Notre Dame before your junior year on your own dime, you're interested in Notre Dame. Right. And and that is what happened with Jalen Brown. There's some other guys on the board to keep an eye on. There's Malik Elzey, uh, a kid from Illinois, another Chicago kid. I believe he went to Simeon, I believe. Uh, but 6'3", 195, you know, big kid, really good football player. Uh, Rodney Gallagher from Pennsylvania is a kid that's on Notre Dame's radar. Uh, Nathaniel Joseph is going to be committing soon. I don't think it's going to be to Notre Dame, but until then he's on there. Noah Rogers is a kid from North Carolina that I like. So there's some receipt. Micah Tease from Oklahoma, who I would expect to go to Oklahoma, but so far he hasn't. He's another guy that's on the board uh, for Notre Dame right now. But I expect that board to expand. But right now, Cardinal Tate and Jalen Brown, for me, I believe, are, are the top two QBs on the board for Notre Dame. And and that's guys that I would have my eye on. We had another super chat, Brian, if you want to go down and grab that real quick. From Brandon. Here we go. What's up, my man? Thank you very much. Awesome. He says, as of right now, before any games have been played, what senior receivers could you see coming back next year that's a really good question because do all of them have have uh, them. eligibility right yeah. so they all could now, come back the one that's a big question mark for me is kevin austin and the reason i say that is is because to come back for a fifth year at notre dame you have to pass through the school the you have school to be passed back by right. the school not right just the which staff. has nothing to do with the football and that's not right. one that brian kelly has a lot of sway over uh and, and so at least he hasn't in the past, obviously with Kevin being suspended for a year. But here's why I'm confident that it could happen is Kevin's suspension in 2019 was not an academic suspension. It was not a domestic, any kind of like domestics, you know, dispute. There wasn't anything involving a female or it was extracurricular activities, right? If Javon McKinley got brought back, for what he did than I would think Kevin did. But here's the question. Javon, outside of that one event that where Javon got in trouble, got arrested, he was a great student. And, and I I don't know where Kevin is at academically. It's literally, I just, it's, it's a lack of knowledge. I don't know what kind of grades Kevin has. So uh, if he does well in the classroom, he may have a shot to come back. But that's the only right. one, Vince, that's the caveat. But they're all eligible football-wise to come back next year. Do you want to continue with your answer? Yeah, so I, I would love to see him come back because I think one year – now, I, I guess I'm contradicting myself because there are guys that have parlayed one year of, of really good production into the NFL. I mean, it, you know, we, we've seen it in the past couple of years, right, with with Miles Boykin and, and Javon McKinley, right? So mm -hmm. uh, there you go. Caden Fegan was the big was the big running back, yes. Um but I would like to see him come back because I think he needs another year. I think he needs another year in, in this system. I think he needs another year of of all of it. So I, I would like to see him come back. I don't see Braden Lindsey coming back. I feel like he's been around for a really long time. And and with the injury concerns, I feel like he's he would be ready to kind of get things moving. Uh, and and I career. feel that way about Kevin Austin, too. I feel yeah. like both of them. If you have a healthy, successful season, do you really want to take a chance of coming yeah. back and hurt again next year? Yeah. That would be my concern with both of them. Well, and, and from and a depth standpoint, test I, well enough to, yeah, that's they, they can they can test well enough to overcome the, the legitimate red flags that you have, Vince, about Kevin. I mean, experience is an important thing, right? It is. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, then you're talking what a Avery Davis and and uh, and Lawrence Keys, right? So you know, what would they be able to come back? What would that look like? I would love to have the leadership of Avery Davis back. Mm -hmm. um, he, he, but 
I don't think I don't know what else he could prove. So he could come back for a six year because of COVID. Avery Davis right. technically could come back. I don't anticipate him anticipating yeah. coming back. Right. I don't know what more he has to prove, to be honest with you. I think he's gonna have a good year this year. He is what he is for the most part. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think maybe Lawrence Keys, if depending on what kind of year he has, if he's overshadowed by Avery Davis. I could see potentially maybe him yeah. coming back as I a think starter. He come ba- I think he probably comes back either way just because okay. there's more question marks about him at the next level size-wise yeah. and things like that. Right. I think to me it's Joe Wilkins and, and Lawrence Keyes are the ones I'm most confident come back. Okay. Uh, I just feel like, as again, if, if Braden Lindsay can't stay healthy, do you really want to invest all the time into him again next year only to have him get hurt again? That right. would be my concern from the Notre Dame side of things. On the Braden Lindsay side of things, if you're healthy this year, do you want to risk coming back next right. year and getting hurt again? He's going to test extremely well. And here's the difference between Braden and Kevin Austin. Braden has been successful in the past. Braden has 2019 film he can show to teams. It's not like he was a one-year wonder. It's like when he's healthy, he balls out. That's that's Braden Lindsay's story. And, and that's not going to go away if he comes back in 2022 as well. Right. It's still going to be the same thing for NFL teams. Can he Can he stay healthy? But he's going to test exceptionally well, and if he has a big year, then I could see him going. Yeah. Same thing with Kevin Austin. I think Keys and, and Joe Wilkins probably are guys that I could see coming back. And and prior to the summer, I would have said, no way you bring Joe Wilkins back. But with the loss of Jordan Johnson and Jay Bramlett and Kendall sure. Everaman and Micah Jones, you now have more room to actually be comfortable bringing Joe Wilkins back. And the thing that Joe Wilkins brings, he's never going to be a star, in my opinion. And if he is, great. That's awesome. I'm glad. Hope he proves me wrong. But I don't think he ever will be. But I think Joe is a tremendous worker and a really good kid. And he provide. He would. He would give them much needed leadership in 2022 sure. that I hadn't yeah. really. That I think needs to be discussed because otherwise, who's your lead? If yeah. if everybody but Keys is gone, who's your captain of that position? That's right? a good point it's just, because it's, it's all kids. It's all right. it's all young kids right. in there now. Xavier Watts yeah. would be the second most oldest guy on the roster at that point in time. You know right. what I mean? And we were just talking about him as a true freshman. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman right. this year. Yeah, right. So, so that's where I think Joe could bring some value and say, "Hey, look, he doesn't have to be Kevin, the next Kevin Austin or the next Miles Boykin. Not everybody needs to be that guy or Chase Claypool, but sometimes there's value in bringing back a guy who's a veteran leader who is going to bring just that leadership, work ethic. Hey, you you better match my work today you know what i mean and i think there's value to that especially when you think about the the fact that i'm hoping fingers crossed that some of those freshmen can come in tobias merriweather cj williams and help right away sure you're definitely going to want a couple veterans not just lawrence but you're going to want a couple veterans that that are going to be there to say hey look this is how you do it this is how you play receiver at notre dame so that's why i think that's why i think lawrence i I, i'm i'm thinking Joe, joe if you'd asked me this two months ago, Vince, I'd have been, no, there's no way you bring Joe Wilkins back. Right. You can't, right. Uh, you, to me, you don't bring 50 year seniors back unless they're going to be the guy. You know, and, and my my attitude on that has changed a little bit. Let me let me play devil's advocate here and ask you a question. Do you think bringing back Joe Wilkins, and I, and I, I tend to agree with everything you said from a leadership standpoint, but do you think bringing him back is in any way a impediment to the development of some of those younger guys? No, it's only if they're going to say, hey, he's going to play no matter what. I mean, you know, but if they if they do what we think we're going to do, all of this is working with the assumption that they're going to play five guys a game. Right. right? True. So, no, I, I think if anything, it helps the it helps their development, because, again, there's value in having that tone setter, that guy that shows those young kids. Again, if he's gone, if Austin's gone, if Keys is gone, if if Lindsay's gone, if Avery Davis is gone, who's showing these young kids? Yeah how to go about their business. Sure. Right. So I, that's where I'm coming. I think it helps them. Now, if they're just going to say, Hey, look, he's going to play 60 snaps a game, no matter how much better Tobias Merriweather or Deion Colsey might be over him, then yeah, that's problematic. But if that's their attitude, they're going to bring it back anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. Point. Right. So it really doesn't matter. We have a couple more super chats. Yeah, here. we do. Yes, Brett we Smith do. says, fellas, my partner and I are working a 24-hour shift on the ambulance. Mind reminding my buddy, Rat- Matt Romero, how old he is for me. And that is a response to Matt Romero saying he's working a 24-hour shift on my birthday like a sucker. <laughs> my only wish is for Vince to hit some of those high notes today. Whoa. I don't know if Vince has high notes. Have you heard his voice? Yeah. Vince <laughs> is like a baritone through and through. I don't know if Vince can hit some high See, notes. See, you hit those falsetto notes like when I'm jamming out in the car or right. something and my wife gets mad at me every time. Like she's like yeah. stop 
Oh, you sing that. with your spouse in the car? See, well, I only sing I, I when I'm to. by myself. <laughs> because I've gotten in trouble so many yeah. times, it just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, that's that's very sad. Very yeah, sad. But Brett Smith, thank you so much for the super yeah, chat. Man. And uh, awesome. you know, thank you for serving your community, man. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Uh, my wife used to be an EMT, and so she's told me about what those shifts are like. They are not they're not easy. They're not easy at all. So I can we only appreciate imagine. We appreciate what you do very, very much. And uh, happy birthday to Matt Romero, our guy, Matt Romero. Matt, yeah, man. Matt, remember, Vince, this, the picture I sent you of the guy listening to the show with the IB hat on and the white IB gap closers? That's Matt Romero. Nice. That's so, awesome. Uh, we appreciate that, and we appreciate you checking in. Two guys working 24-hour shifts that are that are making time to listen to our show. That's great. That's awesome. Don't get distracted. That's awesome. <laughs> it's so much more important fault. stuff. He was, ta- he was talking about Dante Moore, and I couldn't. <laughs> you got distracted. Bam! You know? <laughs> Don't blame me for that. (laughs) (laughs) And then we also have a super chat from Bronx ND fan. Appreciate that very much. Yeah, man. Uh, Bronx ND fan asks, is as a lifelong New York Jets fan, I can't help but wonder if Zach Wilson was ever on the range radar during his high school career. Seems like he would have been a good fit. Keep up the great work. I never heard of Zach Wilson until he started playing at BYU. I honestly oh. didn't hear of him until next last year yeah. when and, BYU was getting all the pub for playing the schedule that they played and right. how they were playing. And yeah. his offer lists were BYU, Boise State, Fresno, Hawaii, schools like that. The only so, Power 5 schools offered him were like Cal, Iowa, Minnesota, Oregon State, Syracuse. The other thing to remember is he was a 2018 signee. Notre Dame had their 2018 quarterback committed in 2016. That's Phil Dracovic. That's Phil Dracovic. Yeah, so there wasn't anybody yeah. on their radar in 2018 outside of Phil Dracovic. And, yeah. and so, you know, they, they were, but no, he was not a national recruit. He was not a guy that you would, if Notre Dame would have signed him coming out of high school, people that follow recruiting would have lost their minds. <laughs> he was the lowest ranked three star kid, like, you know, in rivals. He was a 5.5 three star kid, right? And his offer list would have been very underwhelming. And then if you look at 247 Sports, he was ranked as the number 958 player in the country. He was ranked as the number 13 player in the state of Utah. Yeah, Utah. Not well, a state was, known for like producing a bunch of top yeah. 100 players. Well, and if you look at his offer list, it was a re- it was regional, right? I mean, it's with West the exception Coast. of like Syracuse, Syracuse. And Iowa, and Minnesota. But, that, well, look, but those are schools but, that have to go try to exactly. find somewhere else to find quarterbacks. Exactly. They have to. They have to use services, and they have to not, not necessarily services, but like they have to follow a different path than some of the big power five schools. Right. Do. Right. That's the best way to put so it. yeah, he he, and again, it points to the whole the number two pick in the draft was the number 958 player in the country. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'm just saying. Yeah. The number, excuse me, a little burp issue. The number three player in the draft, Trey Lance was the number 2005 player in the country in, 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 in the, in the 2018 class. Just, just want to make sure I remind people of that uh, because stars matter. Right. Um, so those are two guys, Notre Dame fans would have lost their minds if the staff would have offered and taken right in 2018. And they turned out to be pretty good players. Although who knows if they would have been developed as such at Notre Dame, uh, they'd have been sitting behind Ian book the last three years. So, and and that's truth. You know, that's true. I know it's true. You know, that's true. I know it's true. All right, Tommy Guns with a super chat. Three guys on a twenty-four hour shift. There's th- so there's somebody else that I missed that I didn't see yet that's on a twenty-four hour shift. So Holy I appreciate cow. that very, very. Guys, much. putting it so, work, man. Yeah, yeah. So Vince, awesome. I'm already bumped down to twelve oh four. So I'm going to go ahead and get started on the uh, oh twelve oh four. That's where I. That's the first one. Twelve oh four is the first one. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. I'm at twelve oh four too. Okay. Uh, all right, so I'm going to throw this one up. So our first uh, question of the day uh, comes from Sky Shark 425 Rewatching the breakdown of Marcus Freeman's defense, does his hiring represent a program modernization by BK? More behind-the-scenes guys, more involvement by BK in recruiting, et cetera. I think this is a good question because we've, we've actually yeah. talked a lot about this, and I think the hiring of Marcus Freeman is all part and parcel with kind of a change in – a gradual change that has sped up, I would say, in the last what nine months to a yeah. year. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian, I they they have been adding more guys and more. Well, I shouldn't say more guys, more people uh, to the behind the scenes operations mm-hmm. when it comes to recruiting. Brian Kelly has been a lot more involved in recruiting. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think I think Marcus Freeman's hiring 
was like the first big splash that said that, but I believe right. that it that was uh um, had to happen for Kelly yeah. to be willing to make the splash to begin with. But right, I do now here's the thing. I do, Vince, think that there were conversations on Marcus Freeman's end saying, if I'm gonna come here, right, this needs to happen. Smart, you know, which is absolutely smart. So the expanding of the recruiting operation, that's right. a request that Marcus Freeman made. And we Brian know that. Kelly answered yes. it, right? Right. That's huge. It, and that's where I that's what tells me that Marcus Freeman, again, my stance on Marcus Freeman as the next head coach. Can we just let him coach a game first? Please. Absolutely. Right. However, there's a reason that I wanted him so bad when he got hired. And there's a reason that I'm optimistic that he's gonna prove himself to be capable of being the next head coach. And that is it's not just about, okay, give me the money. It's not just about, okay, Notre Dame just in general positions me for the next job. It's, hey, if I'm going to be successful here, here are the things that we need as a program to be successful. That's thinking like a head coach. Yeah. Hey, I need Chad Bowden in that job. And then we need to open it up for offense. We need to invest more money in the recruiting operation. We got to do this. We got to do that. Those are things that a head coach needs to be thinking about. Yeah, and I need and my I head coach to close on recruits and you know all that stuff. I think that was all right. part of the conversation. Right. I really right. do. And Brian Kelly being willing to do that is part of it. Yes, and 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 Brian Kelly again. Brian Kelly's always going to be the one driving the bus. There may be times that Tommy Reese or Marcus Freeman or Mike Elson are saying, "Hey, coach, you might want to make a left there, you know, or you might want to take a right at this next one, right?" But it's always Brian Kelly driving the bus. And he has to be willing to put the put foot on the gas. And that's the thing is Brian Kelly's kind of, you know, just, you know, hey, we're going to go to speed limit. And <clears throat> now, you know, we're, we're, we can't do that. We can't, you know. But now it's like, okay, foot on the gas. Let's go. Yeah. And that's been the exciting. And look, I think if you were to take each one of these individual things, the Marcus Freeman hire, the expansion of the recruiting operation, putting Mike Elson back in charge of recruiting, um, you know, being able to keep Kerry Cooks as an anal- hiring a t- mid twenty something guy in Chris O'Leary, but yet still maintain being able to keep Kerry Cooks on staff staff as an analyst. That's an under dis- that's, that's an undervalued under <laughs> mentioned huge plus for Notre Dame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those the all, there's just been so many of those things the NIL stuff that they've embraced so well. There's just been thing after thing that if you just kind of look at it into you know letting Tommy Reese be more Tommy Reese has been more in control of this offense this year from what I'm told than he has been in the past. It, it, each one individually is okay. It is what it is. The reason the excitement that I get events it comes from the collective. Right. It comes from you stringing them all together, and, and that tells me you don't. One of them could just be an isolated thing. Okay, yeah, he knew he needed a big-time defensive coordinator. Of course he hired Marcus Freeman. That by itself, well, yeah, okay, you know, put Mike Elson in charge of recruiting, whatever. Isolated in, you know, it, by themselves, they're just they're just moves that most teams make. Sure. When you put them all together into one offseason, it's evidence to me that Brian Kelly says, you know what, we're freaking close, and, and, and we're the problem. It's not the administration. It's not net note. And here's something else that's happened. This is something that I've had several sources tell me about this offseason. In the past, Brian Kelly has used some of the unique aspects of Notre Dame as a as an excuse. In publicly, this isn't just recruiting. I mean, think about after the Stanford game in 2017. I had two Notre Dame coaches call me after that game that were pissed off about when Brian Kelly said, oh, we're tired. We had a lot of travel. They were pissed because they're like, you're giving these kids an excuse. Like There were so many built-in excuses for Notre Dame players to just grab on. One second. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, it's so much tougher, you know. Yeah, right. Exactly. Whereas now what I'm told is Brian Kelly has adopted an approach that I think works so well for Coach Holtz during his tenure, which is embracing – the 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 struggle in that this is what's going to make you better no excuses this is going to make you better that nobody else is going to class like you are nobody else right. is doing this nobody else is doing that he's now embracing what makes yeah. him unique not using it as excuse and right. saying we're going to actually mentally tell convince you that this is going to make you tougher that's a change that's a big change. Well, yeah, and they're using and, and terminology enough- like like five star students. Like you're going to be right. in class with five star students, right. and then but, you're going to be on the field, right? With but five it's, star- yeah, yes, it's like, and, and yeah, that's, they're using that's, it. that's a, a word, but it's more of just the day to day, the in the meetings, in the weight room, on the field, which is hey, you're working harder than anybody else. Nobody can match what you're doing right now. 
And it's inst- it's that mental game that head coaches have. To- that's what Lou Holtz was a master at, an absolute master at. And that's been one of the frustrations I've had with Coach Kelly is you're kind of using what makes Notre Dame unique and and harder, and you're using it as an excuse not to thrive or not to play to the oh, – you know what, my kids are having to do more. Now he's embracing it. Right. And, and, and he's talked kind of about that a little bit, but I'm hearing a lot behind the scenes that they're using that to make these players – to, to – Give, taking away the excuses and saying, hey, look, this this is why you came here. This is why we're going to win a championship. As, a, as opposed to it used to be sort of the reason that was – it used to be these are the things that were keeping us from it. Now he's embracing it to saying this is what's going to fuel us to it. And I just I, – and I think all that's because at the end of the day, after the Clemson and Alabama games, he said, we're not that far away. I, I truly believe after he got got over the anger of the loss and sat down and watched the film and he realized, you know what? Guys, we're not that far away. It, this isn't 2012. This exactly. isn't 2015 against Ohio State, where it's just like, I mean, they got 19 first-round draft picks running all over the field. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Right. You're just like, well, we're here. <laughs> right, right. Uh, this is different. I truly believe that they look at it and say, we're, we're close. There's some things we got to do different, but we're close. Yeah. And I think that's my excitement. But to, to this is such a great question because it spawns such a long answer. Right. Uh, it really is at the heart of where my optimism comes for this next this season and then seasons to follow is that had to change. Or at the end of the day, Marcus Freeman and recruiting all that other stuff at the end of the day wasn't going to lead to a championship if this right here, if what we just talked about didn't change. And that's where my excitement, honestly, at the end of the day comes from. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We got a lot of comments uh, in here early. Uh, let's see. Tommy Guns. Uh, I think he's the one on the 24-hour shifts. Is going 28 hours strong as of right now. So uh, <laughs> I think he's the third would be my guess on that yeah. one. Because Tommy is a, uh, I believe, a long-haul trucker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do not envy that. I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not good for long distances. Yeah. And, on the and road, he man. says, Brian, you get the tickets. I got the steering wheel for FSU. So I actually was able to get a, a flight. I was able to find a flight. So it actually worked out pretty cool. I'm actually going to be flying into Georgia on Friday night before the FSU game. I did not know this, but my cousin is still stationed in the Air Force down in Valdosta. So I'm actually going to go and stay with her and her her her, uh, her family and uh, then drive to Tallahassee. It's only like an hour and a half from Tallahassee. So that worked out pretty well. So I will actually be flying down. And so I was going to, Vince, you remember, I was going to originally make the drive. Yeah, well, I remember. And yeah, I, I, I remember. offered to have you go with me. But uh, as you just admitted, you're kind of kind of kind of struggle making those long trips. I do. So uh, Mace AK, we were talking about uh, why, or running back recruits in the 23 yeah. uh, class. And he says, Justice Hayes from Georgia, number one running Haynes, back yeah. on rivals, uh, likes ND a lot. Yeah, I, I think he likes Notre Dame a lot, but I'm 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 a I'm not ready to say that they're going to get him right now. To be honest with you, I mean Cedric Irvin Jr. likes Notre Dame a lot. There's first backs that like Notre Dame, but they they haven't shown that they can close on their top guy the last couple of years. True, and and that's that's my issue with that. And then uh, real quick, Irish Cubby says last weekend before the season we almost were we are almost to a game week go Irish, and it's yeah, the last man. weekend before Notre Dame starts the season. But there are football games tomorrow, and, there's and I've never been so excited about a Nebraska Illinois game in my life. We actually have two game prediction threads or, or uh, stories on the front page or on the on on Irish Breakdown. One is Nebraska Illinois where. 
all of our staff, and we had, I think, six guys making predictions this year because our really? staff is now up to eight people, yeah, uh, of, that are just – I mean, again, do, one guy's yeah. doing a couple articles. Another guy. So we're, we're really excited about what we're doing. And so we had our predictions for those two games up on the website, and there, there will be games this weekend. I'm excited about it. I Craziest. cannot wait. I've never – Hawaii, UCLA, I'll be watching it. I'm excited about it because it's football. Football's back, you know, and and so I'm really fired up about that. But yeah, great. we're now nine days away from Notre Dame kicking off the 2021 season. Can Can't get it? here too soon. It cannot get here it? too soon. Insane. Tim Insane. Sully says, I took the over eight and a half wins. Looks like easy money. Your thoughts? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not a betting guy, but I mean, yeah, I mean, because again, that's regular season. I'll, I'll be shocked if Notre Dame's not. I mean, nine and three would be considered disappointing to me. Yes, with this football. Oh team. yes, and you're so, still winning oh, that yeah. bet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd you'd have to lose to you know Cincinnati or Wisconsin, Virginia, and Virginia Tech, right? You know, just for example, three, and plus then you'd have to lose a home game. I don't see that happening, and I don't. I don't or, and I don't see the flip side of them losing multiple home games. This team hasn't lost a home game since 2017, and that was by a point to the national runners-up. And all of a sudden, they're going to lose to Wisconsin, you know, Cincinnati and North Carolina. I just, don't, I don't see it. I, again, I, I don't think they're going to go undefeated just because that's so hard to do. But we'll get into that more tomorrow when we do our show tomorrow at 2 p.m. But I just, I don't, I don't get this, man. I, I don't, I don't get those odds. I don't. It makes no sense to me. Like, what are they seeing? Something I don't see. I, I don't get right. it. I yeah. really don't get it. So, I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that either. And I don't know where. I guess my issue is I don't know where they came up with eight and a half. Usually they're really good at, at kind of yeah. nailing down that number to try to get you know action on both sides or you know whatever yeah. they're trying to do. It's just, I don't know, man. The eight and a half just, I don't see it. I, I don't yeah. see it. Yeah, and, and that's so. another thing. Is uh, so if you all remember Sean Davis, who has uh, co-hosted the show a few times before in the past, he is also going to write for Irish Breakdown this year. He had his first feature. We, it's called Cover Three, and it's during the season. He's going to kind of look at you know three games that, that you know that, that's going to happen, and sometimes more, sometimes less. But that's kind of the goal. This week, there's only two because there aren't a lot of games. You know, yeah. uh, we're not giving betting advice on the Fresno San Jose State game or whoever you know, whoever Fresno State's playing. Uh, you know, but it's going to basically be, hey, look, here's the here's the games where where he's looking at putting money on and his advice and that kind of thing. And then he has one on the season the season odds, and he he t- tells Notre Dame fans take the over on Notre Dame's eight and a half wins. And then he goes through like all the, I think all the teams that are at least. Favorite win at least nine, like power fives win at least nine and a half. Like I looked at that, and I was like, North Carolina is a full game ahead of Notre Dame. Iowa State is a full game ahead of Notre Dame. They're they're over unders at nine and a half. I don't and get I, it. Again, I just I don't, I don't get it. I hey look, Tim. I'll tell you what. Uh, the the betting app that I use and and let me let me be real clear on this. I don't usually bet more than five dollars. You know that kind of thing. In uh, full disclosure, my buddy got me a fifty dollar gift card to one of these betting sites. And so I've been playing with house money, and uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've turned that into more than 50. So I play with house money. So I did take the over on eight and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. So, hey, go Irish, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, and real quick, so Ben Elijah also followed up with, had a super had to get the super chat in early before I run to this meeting. I keep hearing about a five-star running back that loves Notre Dame. Any word on that? That's what the Justin Haynes, Justice Haynes comment was in response to but again i'm just i just gotta i gotta see it yeah exactly john erickson jumping in he says how much of a distraction is it for the coaches to have to continue to recruit 22 guys while the season is underway it's not i mean that's it's how just part it of the, to be. They, it's the yeah. part of the day-to-day yeah. i mean you you make time for and it it's I mean, so much easier now than it was 20 years ago because you've got chad you bowen think- you've got dre brown you've got the whole aaron kearney the whole recruiting right. operation you know and with communication like look you can sit in your office and you're not even having to pick up the phone. You can shoot a text. It's a can, mass DM. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you give my you D, I give my Twitter account to some recruiting intern who's sending you know kids stuff. I mean, every coach does that. I mean, right. Let's be honest. Right. Uh, you know, I heard that there was a guy at Ohio State that like literally just like kind of had his his phone was connected to Urban Meyer's phone. And he would just text kids as Urban Meyer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a knock. That I mean, that's just. Look, you gotta you 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 have to get everybody involved, and it's okay yeah. to 
you know, delineate some of those mm-hmm. jobs to some other people. I mean, that that just is what it is. Yeah. I agree with Irish Cubby here, Vince. I think something would have to go horribly wrong for this team to not win at least nine games. Uh, exactly. I, I mean, we're talking massive injuries. We're talking – I mean – just or, or COVID cancels, you know, three games. I, I'm just saying. Right. Now, that's the, I didn't think about that. That's the interesting thing is what happens if COVID cancels games? Well, like, if I mean, Notre Dame get money back. A- didn't people get money back last year when can- games were canceled? Ah, uh, that I don't know. Uh, as I, far I, as I like the tickets and stuff. Oh, no, no, oh no, you're talking for, about betting. betting. Yeah. I think they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. Because it was like yeah. a non it didn't play. So, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, and then by the way, Vince, we were about a minute and a half late, two minutes late. Ben Elijah's response was, "Uh oh, I think Vince's class lasted a little too long, or maybe Brian is talking to him about his singing." <laughs> we had the talk. No, we didn't. Yeah. We- <laughs> well, here, how about this? Vince sings like the WB Frog. That's accurate. That can't be, that can't be a compliment. I don't know even know what that means. That's accurate. That's that can't accurate. Be good. He's not wrong. Yeah. I just had a childhood flashback when he said the WB frog. Super chats might get interesting if Vince sings more. Man, we had this thing growing up, and I don't know if this was like a Northwest Ohio thing. It was called Froggy's Pad. Mm. It was like this child's cartoon thing, but they'd play like I I can't remember all the cartoons, but like Transformers and Thundercats were were two of them that were part of the Froggy's Pad time. And so my mom, being the world's best mom, would get up, I, I think it started like four or five in the morning or something like that. And she'd get up in the morning and remember this is V this is VHS days, yes. right? I'm old. Oh, there yes. was no DVR that you could set days in advance. You had to get up and hit record when it starts. She'd hit record for Transformers and Thundercats every morning so that I could then watch it when I got up before school started. That's nice. I, I was a big Transformers that's guy. That's loving. Oh yeah. It's Transformers I, I like Transformers more than Thundercats. You know, I was never He-Man a was another guy. One. It was He-Man and Transformers for me. So Thundercats was never really on my radar. So uh, I watched it. It wasn't, it, you know, I was more G.I. Joe, Transformers, G. I. Joe. He-Man. But I liked Thundercats. Lino was a beast. <laughs> Get it? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Liam Gaming, here we go. What was your uh, what are your biggest worries now that Marist is out? Pass game D with him out. I, I, look, I think run game-wise, Vince, J.D. Bertrand is going to be. If, if, if maybe, too. maybe. They might actually be a touch better against the run with J.D. Bertrand in the game. I think the big difference is going to be in the pass game production. Pass right. rush and coverage. I right. think that's going to be the big drop-off. And, and and I think J.D.'s a good athlete. I think Shane's a good athlete. I don't think either of them is as fast as Maris. And so I think speed is out. And I did want to say something. I'm, I just want people to know I'm still trying to figure out what his status is in regards to how long the injury is going to be out. I mentioned in the article I wrote when, when we reported the news that he was out, that said, I had told a source he was going to be out for the year, but I wasn't ready to dive into that because it's still too early. Uh, I have still hold, heard season over uh, into November, and and then I heard today from a source, I'm still trying to find this one out, uh, that it could just be four weeks. Wow. Big so, difference. again, I am not – All I, over the I, map. I, all over the map. So, it, it, give us a little bit to figure that out. And, and here's why it, it, it could change. What you have to understand is about the kind of injury he had – is you're going to have an initial diagnosis, but you're not going to really know what's going on until two things happen. One of two, one or two things happen. Number one is you got to let the swelling go down, and that right. usually takes at least what at least 24 hours, Vince, right, for that to yep. fully go down before you can really get in there and inspect things and find out. Hey, look, we knew it was broke, but it's not as bad as we thought, or it was a clean break and we can repair. Or you know, hey, it wasn't a break at all; it was just a sprain. You really don't know that till the swelling goes down. And then number two, you can't do like a lot of the tests and stuff until the swelling goes down. So that's number one. And then number two, if it is something that requires surgery, you may not know the full extent of the injury until you get in there. Right. And so, and I don't know if it's going to require surgery. I haven't been told right. that yet. I'm just telling you like the, the, how these things go. That's why you'll see a guy, you know, get injured for a game. They take the MRI in the stadium and it's like, Hey, this, this, he's out for the game. This is bad. And then they'll say, hey, this could be. And then you find out, hey, the guy's out two weeks. Why is why is the difference? Or, hey, it, it doesn't look like it's that bad. And then uh, two weeks, oh, it's actually broken. He's out for six months or whatever. It's because you really don't get a great idea. And some, if there's some doctors and stuff in here, some trainers could tell me this. You'll back me up on this. But you need to let the swelling go down and, and let some of that go down before you can get a really clear, accurate gauge on that. And so 
that's why you're saying this kind of all over. Plus, Notre Dame just hasn't spoken on it yet. And that's well, when they yeah. don't speak on things, and then just rumors just like fly around the place. Like now it's, it's like the cleats, and it was this, right. and it, you know. Well, and it's, and it's good and bad that we're not going to hear from Brian Kelly until Monday. But by Monday, oh, we're going to have know. We're going to, you know what I mean? We're going to know, he'll know what it, what the prognosis is and he'll tell you. I mean, you know, they're not going to keep it a secret. Yeah. And I think we'll know from our sources as well by then as well. But yeah, yeah, when when you don't hear anything out of the Notre Dame camp, specifically to the public, that's when the rumors go nutty. And that's yeah. what's happening, frankly. And Vince, I just got an email. I'm allowed to give out the name of the person that gave that big donation. And it's it, we've seen him in the chat before. It's just your ordinary Joe. We've seen oh, him, yeah. him before. So, yeah. yeah. Not so, so ordinary anymore, buddy. Yeah. That's no, awesome. No. Thank hey, you. So you're saying he was ordinary until he gave us a bunch of money? Is that what you're saying, Vince? <laughs> wow. Hurtful. Hurtful. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I'm on fire today, man. I'm on fire today. You ticked me off before the show. I'm coming at you. Coming at you. Oh, my gosh. All right, Irishman7114, I'm so pumped. Notre Dame is about to start football. My Memphis Tigers have the number one basketball class. I need someone yeah. to give me some head-butting tips. That is insane. I've, I mean, first of all, don't do that because you don't want to be concussed during either one of those seasons, but they just got Imani Bates <laughs> yesterday. I think they already got, like, Jalen Duran, I think they got, too. Like, that's an insane class. Like, Memphis was always, like, a team that, like, you know, tried to buy players. Now it's legal, so they're going to they're gonna start cleaning up. <laughs> They're gonna start cleaning. Am I? Did I say something wrong? That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, not correct. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Now. You're not uh, wrong. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's a big thing. Who's the head coach down there? Is Penny like, Hardaway? Penny Hardaway. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Brian Denbo says been gone for a while. Hospital been catching up on the shows. I have to Ooh. ask: Are the Notre Dame fans who are foaming over Arch Manning the same Notre Dame fans flexing over the Peacock Network? <laughs> I'm, I'm not know. sure the correlation there, but uh, I mean it's possible. Hey, and Brian, I I don't know why you're in the hospital, man, but um, I'm I'm glad you're not there anymore, and I'm glad you're back with us, man. So uh, no we, doubt. And yeah, got your nice little car in there. I didn't. I, it looked like at first I thought there might have been like some flooding around it because I know there's been a lot of place, <laughs> a lot of flood, flooding. That's true. Our guy Matt D sent me a picture of his car, uh, and it was like I mean like here's the top of the car, and like the water was up to here. Yeah, new car time. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brandon says couldn't be, couldn't let Ben be the only one to send a super chat while we're both at the same place of employment watching this right now instead of working. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. That is great. That is great. Oh, I love this next one from Rob. Yeah, Rob Titoff says, Vincent Bryan, in your lifetime. What are the five most talented Notre Dame teams? Mine are in the following 92, 89, 88, 93, 18. Oh, and 18 and 20 are a tie. Ooh. In my lifetime. Well, you can scratch out the early 80s. Uh, yeah. I think I, that's fair, right? I mean, um, it, my lifetime of Notre Dame fandom begins in 88, essentially, is right. when I can r r legitimately say that, Vince. Sure. You know, honestly, I have – so I don't have 93 on my most, really? talented, most talented of all time teams. Yeah, really? I, think, I think that team had some elite players at the top. I mean, B.Y.'s a Hall of Famer. Brian Young's a Hall of Famer. Aaron Taylor's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Jeff Burris was on that team. Really good player. But they had just lost Reggie Brooks, Jerome Bettis, Tom Carter. I mean, you know, Bobby Taylor was on that 93 team too. Derek Mays on that team. So, again, I'm not saying it wasn't very talented. I just feel like – some of the teams that came before were actually more talented. Right. That so, team was just more of a great team. And, so you're say they, 92 then because – I would say 92. Again, there. the question was most talented team. True. Right? Uh, I would argue that Brian Kelly's most talented team was not 2018 or 2020. It was 2015. 15. Yeah. I, 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 would, I might throw in there either the 05 or the 06 Charlie Weiss teams – now, the problem is there wasn't a ton of talent on defense, but there was well, a ton of fire, yeah, I mean, fire there was on some, I mean, you know, uh, Victor Abimiri was a high pick. Sure. You had, you know, uh, Tommy Zibikowski was a high pick, although I always felt he's a, a, a tad overrated. I know that's blasphemy to some Notre Dame fans, yeah. but it is what it is. He was a great uh, punt returner. But that team, to those teams to me were were top heavy. You had Mo Stovall on. I think, and sure. I think the old five team was more talented than the 06 team. Yeah. I, know, I, I think Mo Stovall was better than Raymond McKnight. Uh, you know, I 
Yeah, I think Anthony Fasano was better than John Carlson, at least at, you know the 06 version of John Carlson. But you know, you look at that, you look at that 05 team. It was top heavy, in my opinion. Ryan Harris is on that team, but there were also some guys starting on that team that would not play for Notre Dame right now. If we're being honest about it, you know, and, and so that to me, that's the other, that's the other factor for me. I, I look at that 2015 team and I'm like, you had Will Fuller, you had Deshaun Kaiser, you had CJ Procise, Josh Adams. You had three first round draft picks on the offensive line and a second round draft pick and another guy in Steve Elmer that would have been drafted had he stuck with football. And he would have been drafted high too. Defensively, you have all four defensive linemen or NFL players. All four of them are in the NFL. And the funny thing is the one guy of that group of four, because it was Rochelle, it was um, Jerry Tillery, Sheldon Day, and Romeo Guara. The guy who went undrafted from that group is the best NFL player of that group, Romeo Quara. Yeah, you had Jalen Smith, one of the best the best uh, linebackers in Notre Dame history. You had Kavari Russell was a third round pick. Cole Luke had Brian Van Gorder not been hired. Cole Luke, I think, would have been drafted. Uh, you had Max Redfield at safety. You had Elijah Shoemate. I mean, that team was loaded, talent wise. Coaching was. And, and look, I I know coaches that coached on the 2017 and 2018 team that told me if the if the if the coaching staff from 2017 was on the 20 it was coaching 2015 they're like we don't want a title. The point being, they thought that the 2015 team was more talented, right? And, and so uh, to me, that was Kelly's most talented. I think 2018 is next. I don't think 2020 was 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 in the was in the top two for most talented. And, and 2020, 2012 is an interesting one because that was the most top-heavy, talented team of Brian Kelly's tenure, in my opinion. 2012, when you look at Eifert and and Manti and Nix and Tuit, I mean, they haven't had defensive end as good as Stephon Tuit since then. They yeah, you're right. A, they haven't had a nose guard as good as Stephon Tuit since then. They haven't had a linebacker that was more productive than Manti since then. You could argue Zach Martin was was their best left tackle that they've had. I mean, he was that good. Tyler Eifert, best tight end they've had. It was just after the first six or seven, there's a bigger drop off. So, you know, I my list, Vince, is is 89, 90, and 92 of the Holtz era. And then uh 2015 and 2018. Mm, okay. My five. That's my five. No, I like that. I I would uh, I would take out the eighteen. I put 05 just because of, I that's the, I enjoyed watching that team a lot. You're a Brady fan. I I'm it. a Brady fan, and I'm a Samarja fan, and I love watching that team. And well, let I, me ask you this question. Let me yeah, ask you this ahead. question. And you you can think about it as we move on to other questions if you want. Okay, fair enough. If you had Brady Quinn on the 2018 team, who would have been better, the 2018 team or the 05 team? Uh, the 2018 team. Okay, so I, then I was it really that much it. more talented, or was it just I, more talented at one position? Yeah, I don't even have to think about it. It's because they had a they had a stud quarterback. There you go. You know? And so he made I, everybody I think else better. 25, yeah. 2005 and six was clearly better quarterback, but right. top to bottom, yeah, right. The difference was sure the top to bottom. Sure. The 2018 team had the better roster. Well, that's what we've been talking about all along. Is that right. Notre Dame is is a, a a true stud quarterback away? You so know, you gonna, at times. You change your yeah. opinion now. You are gonna change your. You're making it, me change. I'm I, not making you do anything. I'm trying I know to you're not. Look, no, 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 you know, not making you know the me. biggest complaint that I get about our show <laughs> is, is we, we don't disagree you, enough. I know. And then so, when I try to get you to debate with me, you're like, okay, I give in. <laughs> it's 2018. <laughs> well, I'm Defend sticking with your five point. because your I love five. Okay. I'm sticking with Tell me why it was a more talented team. I think that they were quarterback. Well, because I think the quarterback made the made those receivers better. I think they made them more explosive. I, I think that those I think they made the offense more explosive. So I and and I get I realize that all boils back down to the quarterback. But that's a pretty important thing. But yeah, it's a really important thing. So I I'm sticking with 05. Dang okay. it. Michael Morris says I'm like trying to get Ben Vince to engage and like push back, Vince. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> Last year, we were very good at running out the clock at the end of games. Do you think we are still going to be good at this? I don't care. I don't want to be good at that. I want to be good at beating teams scoring by 40. points. Yeah, That's I want to be good at scoring points. No, but but in, in all seriousness, Michael, look, Notre Dame's always got the ability to get back to being that team when they need to be because of the style of offense they play and because of the type of running backs and tight ends they have. And yeah. again, as we've pointed out, this offensive line, I don't know if it's going to be good enough to like be a championship unit, but it's not going to suck. Right. That that at least I don't think it will. 
there's too much experience and talent for this offensive line to be bad. I think it's at least going to be better than what it was in 2019. Right. Potentially could be better than what it was in 2018 before Alex Bars went down. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be bad. I think it's just our concern is relative to what Notre Dame has been on the offensive line at times in the past and what it was last year. But if Notre Dame still doesn't have a top 10 offensive line, then Jeff Quinn did a bad job. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's just not going to be top three like it was last Look, year. Notre Dame should be top 10 all the time. I mean, that that's the way they should be recruiting. Barring like, the, yes. Like 2018 was excusable because you lost Q, you lost McGlinchey, and Alex Bars got hurt in the middle of the season. Right. Sure. So, I mean, I get it. Right. But yes, when you're recruiting the way you're supposed to recruit at Notre Dame, there's never an excuse not to be at least top 10 or 12 ever in the offensive right. line. Heck, 2016 was probably the worst year in the last six, seven years at offensive line. They still had two All-Americans on that list. Right. And yep. they still had an offensive line that was good enough had everyone else not stunk that that offense would have been pretty good. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Brandon says, I'm extending my lunch break a tad. It's free for all Friday for damn sake. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I had to read it just how he typed it too. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Tony Stangle, this is a really good question. He says, do you believe Notre Dame has recruited to a level where they can sustain injuries to key players? We all saw what happened when Love went down against Clemson. Are we past that now? Sustain in regards to can they lose key players and still play at the same level? No, no one is. And and, and, the, and the point being is look at Clemson when they lost Trevor Lawrence. They went one and one and had to come back against BC at home to win that one. Right. I mean, BC outplayed them without right. Trevor. Okay. They were not the same team and they had a five-star quarterback to replace them with. Yeah. Alabama loses, loses to a tongue of a low in 2019. They replace some of the guy that will eventually be a first round pick and, and eventually lead them to a national title. But at that time when they lost him in that season, they went and lost to Auburn a couple weeks later because he threw a couple picks. It, it, no, nobody does that, right? Uh, so are, are they past that to a degree? No, because no one is. No one's just going to lose a guy and, 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 and you know, lose multiple guys and be as good as they were. It's are they, st- are they good enough to be able to lose guys and still win? And, and yeah, I think that they are. I think they are too. Uh, you know, and, and look, Everybody talks about what happened against you know with Julian Love against Clemson and and yeah that's true but if no if Alabama would have lost Patrick Sertan in the college football playoff this year it would have changed how that game went because they couldn't just put him on Javon McKinley and say go cover that guy yeah you know right. I mean that that's true for everybody if if Clemson would have lost Trevor Lawrence in 2018 you know that was you know like Notre Dame lost an All American I mean that game turns out differently so. You know, I, I I think most teams aren't past that. I, what I will say, however, to your point, Tony, and I'm like, I'm kind of dodging your point, but now I'm going to get back to it, is I just want to make the point that nobody just is just as good as they would have been right. without them, right? Right. Uh, unless some players, I mean, you know, occasionally some guys step like, wow, I didn't know that guy was that good. But most guys, when they lose, and the reason I'm pointing to Love is because Love's situation is a little different than Maris Lua foul, right? Number one, that was right in the middle of a game. Right. All right. You had the biggest no time game of the prepare, year, right? Too, Whereas Maris is hurt, there's still two weeks left to get your re- re- guy to replace him. That you should be able to overcome a guy getting hurt in the second week of camp or th- two weeks before the season starts. You know, you, you should be able to sustain it, and I think they are in position to do that. And I explained there's an article on Irish Breakdown. I would encourage you all to to, to go read. Uh, it's called "It's What's Next." It's kind of like a look of all. You know, I talk about the two the two wills. I talk about Prince Collie. I talk about the two Mike situation, Vince, that you and I that you have talked about. And I talked about how the Viper position is going to help ease this loss as well. So I'd encourage you to go read that. But, you know, so so that there's different types of injuries. In losing a guy in the middle of a game or during game week, like when they lost Austin Consworth, like the week, but like the Thursday before the first game, that's a lot harder to overcome than losing Maris Lewifel. Or sure. when they lost Jerron Jones, remember, in fall camp in 2015, or when they lost Sean Crawford in the first two weeks of fall camp. Those are a little. Those are a little harder, a little easier to overcome than losing a guy in the middle. Because you've game. got time. I mean, you've got right. time to get it right. Yeah, right. Eighty-two slice says, "Are there any silent commits still sitting out there of which you are aware?" 
Not officially that I'm aware. I, I, I believe there's a 2023 kid that, that might be waiting to go public, but I don't know that for a fact. And it's not a, it's not a hard one to figure out. I'm not revealing mm-hmm. any secrets. It's so, yeah, it's not a big name. It's not a top hundred guy in case anybody's wondering, but yeah, uh, 2022, there, there aren't any silent commits that I'm aware of. Uh, I'm going to throw this up here. Uh, Dane Drapers that wants a score prediction for the opener. We'll do that. Just not yet. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we're, we always have our score predictions and stuff and we're, we post them on Fridays, right? Is that, that Thursdays? Usually, Thursdays. Okay. Cause so. we're going to do, we're going to do the Thursday is going to be our pregame our predict our game. So that's right. Today, this is a good time to kind of bring up yeah. what our in-season content plan is going to be. Good call. So it's going to be a little different week one because the game's on a Sunday. And it's a road game, which means I'll be traveling on Monday. Uh, Monday is going to be at 12.30, we're going to meet. We'll discuss anything that Brian Kelly just talked about. You know, if there's anything left over from the game, right? So we're right. going to kind of begin with Monday. We'll talk about that. And then we'll do sort of a, you know, what happened in the college football world. So address what BK said in the press conference because the press conference is at noon. It usually is going to be over by the time we start our show. 1230 is going to be our, our start times. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to do sort of a taking an in-depth look at you know Notre Dame offense against the opposing defense. And then on Wednesday, the Notre Dame defense against the opposing offense. Looking we're forward. Gonna, we're going to look yeah. at the matchup upcoming. So we'll look at sort of so like on, on Tuesday this week for Florida State. Like the post game of Florida State is going to be different. The pregame of Florida right. State is going to be the, the normal. Uh, but Tuesday will be kind of us doing just a deep dive into the Notre Dame offense against the Florida State defense. We're going to look at stats. We're going to compare the Notre Dame scoring offense against the Florida State scoring defense, the rush offense against the rush defense, the pass defense offense against the pass defense, personnel matchup, stuff like that. Wednesday will be the opposite sides of the ball, right? Thursday is going to be our our bigger picture look and our game prediction, right? So it'll be sort of our, our actual game prediction show. And then Friday is going to be our Friday free-for-all. And then Saturday we'll have a post game show and it'll be after the show, probably about a half hour to an hour after the show. And we'll just kind of give our immediate reaction to the game. And then we'll let you give your immediate reaction to the game. And then Sunday evenings, I'm not sure if we decided to go six or I think seven or eight is is what we're looking at right now. Most likely. So kind of after the afternoon football games are over, we're going to have a Sunday night show. That's going to be called upon further review. And so since Vince and I are coaches, we, we know this. So, after every game, you have an immediate reaction as a coach to a game. And, you know, I don't think this guy did this or I called a bad game or we did this. And then you watch the film and you're like, you know what? That kid played better than I thought he did. You know, I, I made some bad calls or man, that call was there. We just, we didn't execute it. You know, there's all types of things you see upon further review. And, and so then we'll kind of have more of a, an analytical, Hey, here's the recap of the game. Here's some things. Here's what, here's some things that went right. Here's some things that went wrong. And then we're also going to have a video feature that's going to not be available on YouTube. It's going to be something we record, make un- make unlisted, and it's only available to um, members of the board. message board. Yeah, on the board. But we're going to have a, a, sh- a live show that you all can see every Sunday. Now, another thing we're going to do this year, and it's not going to be live, at least that's the plan as of right now, is we're also going to record sort of like about a 10 to 15-minute shows kind of previewing the big games of the weekend. You know, so Ohio State, Oregon in week two, you better believe we're going to have a show on that, right? Uh, Georgia Clemson of week one, you better believe we're going to have a show about that. And and so that'll be fun too. So we're going to try to expand a little bit and just talk college football. Those will be recorded and then play, like put up in the morning, kind of like Thursday and Friday. Yeah. So, so, so we'll have some of that stuff too. So that lots is going to be content. our, in, yeah, lots of, lots of YouTube stuff. Uh, and, and the other part of that too is um, the, so we're going to do our, our our season prediction of who we think they're going to win and lose to on tomorrow at 2 p.m., but we're not going to actually give a score prediction for Florida State until Thursday. Right. It'll be sort of at the end of our Thursday shows every week. We'll give our score prediction, and then we'll, that'll just be me and Vince. And then on Friday morning, we'll have the bigger staff game prediction. We'll still yeah. have our scores. The written versions. Right, yeah. but then we'll have the written version, and then we'll have all of our staff on there. Uh, which will be fun. And then, of course, as, as you all know, like last year, we'll do game predictions for like two or three of the biggest games of the upcoming weekend. And, and so like that's why today we did Illinois, Nebraska and Hawaii, UCLA. Next week, we'll have like Clemson, Georgia. Uh, we'll have, you know, there's a couple of I mean, there's there's actually we're gonna have to make some tough week one decisions because that's how loaded games, week one yeah. is. Uh, but there's gonna be a lot of stuff. 
lot of stuff. Yep. So we're very excited about that and um, really ready to rock and roll with that. So let's get going, Vince, because I know you're 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 gonna have to leave here soon. Are you are you done? Yeah, I, we're about there. So okay. um, uh, I am at two forty two or twelve forty two. Excuse me. Okay. You can see. Yeah, I'm where you are. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, everybody. I will see you guys tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Be there or be square. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.